The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. And with the historic Abraham Accords, we had peace in the Middle East. Can you believe that? We had peace until this character came along. He doesn't know what he was doing. His name was Crooked Joe Biden. And under Biden, it's danger, death, and destruction all over the world. That's what it's been. It's been a disaster. Whether it's the borders, whether it's uh, the Middle East, whether it's Ukraine, whether it, everything is, everything is broken. The whole world is broken. Under my leadership, the world's thugs and villains and killers and savages were in retreat and running scared. They were running scared. All because you had a president who stood up for America. We took a lot of heat for doing it too, remember? We took a lot of heat, but we stood up to everybody and we stood up for Israel and we stood up for Judeo-Christian civilization and values. Hard to believe you take heat for that, right? Used to be that was a wonderful thing. Today you take heat. It is quite the contrast. You compare just the brief four years that he was in office. And of course, it's even I guess it's even uh, a shorter period of time with uh, Biden. But you have to take Biden's reign together with Uh, Barack Obama, going back to 2009, what a contrast. All of the wars, all of the conflict, all of the turmoil during Joe Obama years. And yet with with Donald Trump, I mean, it was a a short four-year period. He projected some strength. He wanted to attend to the matters at home. And uh, the enemies of America remained quiet for the most part during the Trump years. Not so during the years of Joe Obama when they have empowered America's enemies and they really have undercut the traditional allies of the United States. And so Hamas and others take this as their opportunity to advance their terrorist cause. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show. You can get to the live video stream of this show every weekday morning at 11 a.m. in the central time zone of the United States. Just go to TrumpetDaily.com or go to Rumble.com forward slash Trumpet Daily, and you can watch the live stream on both of those websites. You can also see it again replayed every evening on Live from America TV. That too is at Rumble. Just go to LFA TV and you can watch it every weeknight at 8 p.m. in the central time zone of the United States. So lots and lots to get to on today's show. (laughs) There's about to be a a pretty important vote in the House today regarding the the speakership. Jim Jordan is the one that's going to be put forward as the nominee. And uh, depending upon what you read, there's more Republicans joining the cause. There's uh, some rhino Republicans that are still furious about what Matt Gates and, uh, and the other seven did a couple of weeks ago. And so they're saying that they're going to hold out and prevent Jordan from going forward. This is from Gateway last night. It says, as of Monday evening, eight rhinos are still holding out and refusing to support Chairman 
Jordan. So as I say, depending upon who you listen to, there are those that say these eight could hold out and stonewall everything. There are those who say if he gets over 200 votes in the, uh, the first go-round, that uh, he'll probably end up as the Speaker of the House. Jim Jordan, he's uh, kind of revamped his ultra-conservative ways to meet more in the middle. So we'll see how this plays out with him as the potential Speaker. It's not a done deal yet by any means, but uh, I think most conservatives would say this represents a pretty significant upgrade over, uh, over Speaker McCarthy or Kevin McCarthy. So we'll have, I'm sure, a fair bit more to talk about on that front uh, tomorrow. But just coming back to what President Trump said there, this, this ongoing conflict in Gaza, it's turning out to take quite a while for the, the ground invasion to, uh, to take place. And then you've got the announcement that Joe Biden now is going to be in Israel tomorrow. Oh, the, the premier of Germany visits today. That's significant from a prophetic standpoint. We'll touch on all of these uh, issues in just a moment. But first, a, a revealing comparison. Just coming back to the Hamas attack on Israel there uh, a week and a half ago. And, uh, and how that, that attack, <laughs> you can't even wrap your mind around this, but how that attack, that gruesome, horrific attack, murdering 1,400 Israeli civilians, most of them civilians, and how that the Hamas attack triggers worldwide protests in the West in support of Hamas, not Israel, not the innocent Jews who were slaughtered. We've talked about this just this week. You can see yesterday's show if you want to, to, uh, to go through that. But just consider back in the summer of 2020, George Floyd, he's this, uh, the, this, this drug-addicted lowlife. He's, he's caught under the knee of a police officer using pretty aggressive force. And look at the worldwide movement that that one incident with one drug addict, look at the worldwide movement that that triggered. You had protests all over the world in favor of, not police, certainly not the police, George Floyd. The police needed to be defunded. And the cities in the United States needed to go up in flames just to make a statement. Just so that we could bring about change. Well, they used that as an excuse, didn't they? To carry out violent acts. Looting, burning, stealing. This is from the Washington Examiner. Why no Jewish Lives Matter movement? You had the worldwide Black Lives Matter. And if anyone said white lives matter, they were to be attacked. What about Jewish lives? This is not one incident with some drugged up Jew in southern Israel that was forced to the ground by the police and then died during the altercation. No, no. This is 1,400 Jews, most of them women and children, slaughtered by Hamas terrorists. As many as 1,000 of them just came flooding into the southern border. Israel was caught, caught sleeping as far as security and intelligence goes. And all these partygoers, these kibbutz <laughs> residents sleeping in their beds, just gunned down because because they were Jews. 
the examiner says here, the massacre of women and children in Israel has led to a very different response. No university has offered Jewish students special consideration in their exams, as many did to black students in 2020. No one's been fired for saying that Palestinian lives matter. Pro-Palestinian demonstrators who came out on the day of the attack did not have the cover of protesting against an Israeli response, for there had not yet been a response. There, to this day, there hasn't been a response, except for the bombing and taking out a few Hamas uh, leaders, I guess. It says here, they were cheering the slaughter of families, pure and simple. That's what these worldwide protests are about. Cheering on the slaughter of, of Jewish families because they're Jewish. Free Palestine, chant the crowds. And we all now understand exactly what they mean. Free Palestine from the Jews. In other words, just get the, Jew, get the Jews out of there entirely. This has been Iran's openly stated goal from the beginning. Blot them out. Wipe them off the map. This is what free Palestine means. It says, if you make excuses for Hamas, that is now what you are endorsing. You're endorsing the butchering of Israeli civilians because they're Jewish. (laughs) Speaking of comparisons, comparing Trump to Joe Biden, what a comparison this is. It it tells you, as I was getting ready for today's show, a world in turmoil just kept coming back to the forefront of my thinking this morning as I was trying to. uh, Thankfully, we have the framework of Bible prophecy to understand where this is leading. I mean, with respect to Gaza, I mean, we're about to see a clash of civilizations like we haven't seen since the, the Middle Ages. A clash, a coming clash. There's a terrorist attack in, in Belgium last night. Well, first a six-year-old gets gunned down in the United States, a Palestinian kid. Then the terrorist in Belgium, he goes after some soccer fans, murders two of them. In France, you've got Macron saying, hey, we want to get rid of the radicals. You've got European states waking up to the fact that this Muslim infiltration, it's destroying them from within. Now, with the United States... You've already got an attack coming from within. That's a communist-led attack by Barack Hussein Obama. And he spent eight years when he was in office reaching out to, cozying up to Iran. In fact, and Lee Smith has reported on this, he was working to clear the way for Iran to get a bomb before he even came into office in 2009. That's how much he loves the mullahs. And so who knows what he's doing behind the scenes at this moment. Secretary Blinken coming out at 3.15 in the morning, just yesterday, in Jerusalem. He speaks from the embassy, the U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem, and says, hey, guess what? Joe Biden's coming here on Wednesday. A Biden, you have to wonder if he was even awake at the time of the announcement. He's just a puppet, isn't he? This world is going up in flames. And Donald Trump's right. What he said yesterday in that speech, you know, when America was projecting some bit of power, America's enemies were quiet. There were no wars, no big wars anyway, to speak of. But now look at the world. This is from France. 
at Breitbart. It says, French President Emmanuel Macron called for all radical Islamist migrants residing in France to be removed from the country in the wake of the suspected Islam-inspired assassination of a middle school teacher in Friday. You'd never see this in the United States, that's for sure. Europe, Europe's trying to figure out what they need to do, and they're, they're beginning to act fast because they see it hasn't worked. Multiculturalism, just opening the borders, letting all the refugees in, and they bring in their religion, they bring in their culture, they bring in their hatred for the West. That's what you're seeing on the streets of London, of Montreal, of New York, Los Angeles. They bring their hatred to the streets of the, the host nation that they're living in. And then the regime media in the United States, in Britain, well, they cheer them on. They cheer them on. Just like they cheered on the demonstrators that wanted all the violence in 2020. You can remember AOC saying things like, well, you know, we've got to be violent in order to get the attention of the establishment of the ruling class. Such a gut-wrenching summer to watch that play out. Violence justified. I mean, this takes it to another level. 1,400 Jews, of all people. Jews, the same ones slaughtered in the Holocaust, slaughtered in in a one-day attack just a week and a half ago, Saturday morning, the last great day, God's uh, final festival of the year, the end of Sukkot, the Jewish holiday. 1,400, as I say, Israel's preparing for all these visits. Maybe that's why they're holding off on the ground invasion. It does seem to be taking quite quite a while here. And the longer they wait, the more the pushback is going to be coming from people like Joe Biden, And others that say, hey, well, Biden's already said, he said on 60 Minutes the other night, no occupation. We certainly don't want that. And and you've got, you know, you've got Jake Tapper changing his tune. He's back to Tapper 1.0. As he says, well, there's 2,800 casualties, so many of them kids in Gaza, he says. And the Israeli official says, well, hang on a second. There are going to be there are going to be some casualties in war. There is going to be some collateral damage, but don't just take what the Hamas authorities are saying without a grain of salt. These people are they're run and governed by Hamas, which is, as some are now saying, it's worse than ISIS. Why is it worse than ISIS? Well, they're backed by Iran. ISIS didn't have that kind of, of backing from the number one state sponsor of terror. Not that the the mullahs, you know, didn't appreciate what ISIS was doing. All of that carnage. They love it. They love it. They're pushing for it. They want to see the world explode in violence. But I mean, Hamas is Iran's proxy. Hamas is Iran's military in Gaza. They work directly together. So today, the German Chancellor, Olaf Scholz, he visits Israel. And of course, as we know, as we know from Bible prophecy, 
as the relationship deteriorates between Israel and the United States, between Israel and, and Great Britain, where will little Israel in the Middle East, where will they turn? They're going to be turning to Germany, their historical enemy, biblical Assyria. We can get into that prophecy maybe at a later time. The general framework, however, I've been plugging this book more and more. It goes right together with America Under Attack. But as you see the world going up in flames, as you try to wrap your mind around everything that's happening, all of this craziness, make sure that you understand the framework of Bible prophecy. Prophecy for these last days. Call our operators today and request the United States and Britain in prophecy. The number one eight six one eight six six sorry nine three zero three zero two four. Olaf Schultz is uh, in Little Israel today, and then tomorrow Joe Biden is going to be there. And we learned about this early, early, early yesterday morning, or I guess it would have been late, uh, late Sunday night. Uh, our time here in the United States from Secretary Blinken. Listen to this announcement from, uh, from Israel. He was visiting, I think he had met with Israeli officials, Benjamin Netanyahu, for many, many hours. And then he came out with this announcement in the middle of the night in Israel. This is clip 11. On Wednesday, President Biden will visit Israel. The president will reaffirm the United States' solidarity with Israel and our ironclad commitment to its security. President Biden will again make clear as he's done unequivocally since Hamas's slaughter of more than 1,400 people, including at least 30 Americans, that Israel has the right and indeed the duty to defend its people from Hamas and other terrorists and to prevent future attacks. The president will continue to coordinate closely with our Israeli partners to the secure the release of hostages taken by Hamas. The president will hear from Israel how it will conduct its operations in a way that minimizes civilian casualties and enables humanitarian assistance to flow to civilians in Gaza in a way that does not benefit Hamas. So again, pretty boring overall. All the talking points. We support Israel. We want to get, we want to get the hostages released. And we also want to protect the residents of Gaza. You know, we don't want there to be too much collateral damage. Okay, so there you go. But then Biden, who's having a pretty rough go of it, never mind what, uh, what David Brooks said about this being a magnificent week last week, a magnificent week for Biden. He, like Sundance says over at Conservative Treehouse, they, they're trying to refashion his image to some degree because it's been a dumpster fire inside of a dumpster fire the last many months. But he's now going over to Israel on Wednesday. It was announced pretty abruptly. Now he's going to Israel. And just keep in mind, the latest trumpet, this cover, the dear leader, he's working from the basement. What is Barack Obama up to? We know about his strong ties with Iran. That the whole world has now seen. I mean, Hamas, with Iran's backing, has played its full hand. Look, it's in our charter, people are now saying. It's what we do. We kill Jews. That's the goal. It's not about getting a second state, a Palestinian state. It's about killing Jews. It always has been. And now there are leaders in Europe and commentators in the United States who see that. You see it in the 1,400 civilians that were butchered. And so you, ha you have to wonder how much communication has been going on between 
the dear leader and his dear friends in Tehran. You guys, you guys better pull back. I mean, if, if some of these hostages aren't released, well, I mean, Jake Sullivan said as much yesterday. We're, we're working through third parties, and then you get all the press reports that come out after the fact saying that, well, that third party is Iran. So here you have U.S. officials negotiating, no doubt, negotiating with the mullahs in Iran, saying you better put some pressure on Hamas. They're about to be turned into a parking lot, little Gaza. You better put some pressure on Hamas to release these hostages. Who knows? As I say, it's so difficult to even wrap your your mind around it. I love Sundance's title, though. Secretary Blinken tells Joe Biden he's going to Israel on Wednesday. This is someone who knows that Joe Biden's a puppet. So, and it's not even Secretary Blinken, is it? It's the dear leader. The dear leader tells Joe Biden, hey, Joe, you're going off to Israel. So that happens tomorrow. And I guess the ground offensive is what? Pushed back another day? Maybe they're angling for some kind of uh, prisoner swap or hostage release while Biden is there and he can claim credit for it. Who knows what these, these actors are up to? But this is a world. This is a world that's on edge. Joe Biden, by the way, he tweeted out this morning, history has taught us again and again that anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, and all hate are connected. (laughs) What a time to connect Islamophobia to anti-Semitism. The Jews, we've heard it from our correspondents in Jerusalem. The mood over there is a very somber and outraged spirit. They're angry. They want to fight. They see what happened to their people. This brazen attack in in broad daylight. The bombs and then penetrating the border under the cover of those, those rockets firing into southern Israel. And then just simply going house to house. Gunning, gunning Jews down, burning them alive, beheading them. There's young people at some of these protests against Israel wearing the image of those paragliders coming into the music festival to kill people. Seen, there's many, there are many pro-Palestinian supporters who see the paragliders as heroes. They're part of the resistance. It's like Melanie Phillips said in that piece we read through yesterday. The actual resistance coming from Israel, I mean, that's seen as genocide. And yet the genocide, it was just carried out. Carried out. Just a little foretaste of what we're going to be, be seeing in the future. More of it. The genocide carried out by these Hamas demons. Well, that's seen as a resistance. Yeah, the paragliders are heroes. They were able to get over Israel's border and just indiscriminately shoot Jews at point-blank range. And then people take to the streets to support, not the victims. I mean, they turned out in droves when George Floyd died. We've got we've to show up and destroy cities for George. What a con. That led to the movement led by BLM, one of the biggest con movements in history. All these BLM activists, the leadership of that organization, that everyone universally praised, just buying mansions for themselves, 
living large on all the donations for the cause, right? No such love or support, even a show of it, for the Jews. The Jews, they are to be persecuted. They are to be blotted out. What a sentiment. Sweeping across Europe, Britain, the United States. It's shocking people. Here again, the dear leader sees all of this. He's working behind the scenes. He say, okay, we may have overstepped our bounds here. So we've got to pull back ever so slightly, get back on a solid footing, get, win the favor of everyone in the West because we're the, we're the victims, uh, we're the refugees, we're just resisting Israel's advance, advance, advance. We gotta get, we've got to reestablish our narrative, which was so successful in the halls of the BBC for so long. Speaking of the dear leader, this is from Fox News. Uh, yesterday, Praz Michel of the Fugies, that's a, a name you're probably not going to hear on this program again, but there you go, some rapper, I guess, is seeking a new trial by arguing his former lawyer used artificial intelligence to generate his closing argument. So just leave that bit of the story aside for a moment, and let's come to the facts of the case. He used AI in his closing argument before the hip-hop artist was found guilty of helping a foreign national launder millions of dollars in illegitimate contributions to former President Barack Obama's campaign. You hear a lot about the money laundering from the Biden people. Here's a a little-known story. I mean, it is at Fox News. But here's a little-known story of money, money laundering that this rapper was caught up in together with the Obama people. How much? It says Michelle was convicted in April after being accused of taking part in an extensive conspiracy to use about $88 million in foreign funds to engage in illegal back-channel lobbying and make unlawful campaign contributions at the direction of the People's Republic of China. You can't make this up. Money laundering coming in from the CCP to benefit Barack Hussein Obama's campaigns. Wow. You think Joe Scarborough is concerned about this story? Not on your life. No, this is ignored. This is, he was convicted. It happened earlier this year. Happened back in April. Have you even heard of this story? Probably not until right now if you're listening to the show. million coming in from China? Yep, that's right. Again, forget forget about what Joe Biden's up to these days. He was sleeping while Blinken comes out and says he's going to he's going to Israel Wednesday. Forget about what Joe Biden's up to. Think about what the dear leader's doing, what the dear leader is planning for, how he's trying to, you know, save a little bit of face here with respect to the real intentions of the mullahs, Hamas, Hezbollah, all of these anti-Israel and anti-American forces. It all fits in perfectly, perfectly, with the fundamental transformation of the United States. Hey, let's empower, let's empower Amer- America's enemies. Let's undermine Israel's position any way that we can. 
And let's really give. Let's give money. Let's give, uh, let's give support to these terrorist movements. Even if they attack American targets or Israeli targets, we can always, you know, there's plausible deniability. Well, yeah, okay, Iran, historically, they have shown support for Hamas. But on this one, this one, this specific attack, it was a perfect terrorist attack in that there was no Iranian involvement. So it's just on Hamas. And Israel, okay, Israel can go into Gaza and just take out the Hamas fighters, but there better not be any collateral damage. As I say, listen to the return of Jake, the sad, in my, in my estimation, the sad return of Jake Tapper 1.0. This is clip two. So... Uh, certainly taking out Hamas's leadership, I understand the, the point of that, but the, the uh, Palestinian health ministry in Gaza says 2,800 Palestinians have been killed and, and uh, somewhere between a quarter and a third of them are, are children. Um, that's not Hamas's leadership. There's Jake, Jake Tapper quoting from the Palestinian health ministry, the, the Hamas-controlled Palestinian health ministry, nothing in there either about Hamas preventing citizens from fleeing south. Nothing in there about Egypt closing the border. I mean, the current leadership in Egypt hates Hamas. So in some ways, you can hardly fault them for saying, we don't want any kind of of terrorist sympathizers coming across the border into Egypt. But still, still, here's Jake Tapper just taking what the Palestinian health ministry says at Face value, no questions asked. 2,800 civilians, a lot of them children, so says the health ministry in Gaza, and so says Jake Tapper. This was a a senior advisor to Benjamin Netanyahu, just talking about, I touched on it already, but just talking about the difference between ISIS and uh, Hamas and how that Hamas enjoys the enthusiastic financial <laughs> training support, all of it, from the paymasters in Iran. Iran being the number one state sponsor of terrorism. This is clip six. ISIS didn't have a state sponsor. And the international community united and destroyed ISIS's territorial uh, caliphate, whether it was in Syria or in Iraq. Why is Hamas so strong? Because it has a state sponsor, and that state sponsor is Iran. And Hamas receives some 93% of its budget from Iran. It gets weapons from Iran. It gets training from Iran. It gets other support from Iran. Funding, weapons, everything. Without Iranian support, Hamas wouldn't be the power it is today. Now, we will defeat Hamas. We will win this. We didn't want this war. They started it, and we'll finish it. We'll finish it on our terms. Israel's angry and they want to fight. That's an advisor there, uh, a senior advisor to Benjamin Netanyahu. But he says there, without Iran, Hamas would not be the power that it is today. And he's completely right. Hamas waltzes in. A coordinated attack had been planned for months with the help and support of Iran. And what a deadly assault it was. 1,400 victims. It's laid bare the true intentions of Hamas and the people of Gaza. 
who, by a large majority, support the Hamas movement. Never mind what those who Joe Biden, we played the clip yesterday. Now there's the little tiny, tiny group of Hamas. And then there's the group that there's 2.2 million. Who knows how many in Gaza uh, really do not support Hamas at all. But they lead you to believe that there's just this tiny little cadre of of uh, fighters, terrorists. But then all the rest, I mean, they just want electricity and food. They just want to live in peace with Israel, I guess. Really? Is that why they send the message out via television and education to six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, to kill Jews, to remove Israel from off the map? This is steeped in their education. (laughs) When you listen to some commentators that actually get it right, like Jesse Waters, you can see why the dear leader (laughs) is scurrying a bit, going, okay, we've got to do some damage control here, because this was horrific. I mean, this, and the world saw it. Never mind the, the widespread demonstrations that have come out in support of it. The more sane thinkers saw what those terrorists did. This was Jesse Waters on Fox yesterday, clip seven. Why is Pelly jumping in into these answers and trying to fill words into the president's mouth? Let the president say what he means when he says, don't. Why is he jumping down the guy's throat and like helping him out? I want to hear from the president. I don't want to hear from Pelly. Uh, I don't think we can have a Palestinian state at this point. I've had it with the Palestinians. I've given up on the Palestinians. If I was in Israel, I wouldn't be talking about a Palestinian state right now. I don't think Joe Biden should be talking about a Palestinian state right now. And I don't like how people tried to differentiate between the Palestinians and Hamas. To me, I see people with guns. That's Hamas. The people without the guns are the Palestinians. They believe the same thing. The Palestinians hire Hamas to run their government. You pull them. They all love killing Jews. It's in their charter. They say they believe in suicide bombings. That's Jesse from yesterday saying how much the, ple- the people of Gaza have in common with their leadership. Obviously, there's a few that would prefer Hamas be booted out. But for the most part, I mean, the true colors here right across the board are being fully revealed. The puppet master, he, he hasn't been tweeting too much, but he's been hard at work behind the scenes to try to make sure that he can empower Iran, that he can still empower Hamas, Hezbollah, all of these Jew haters, all of these people, all of these these movements, these nations that see America as the big Satan. And Joe Biden just kind of going along for the ride, the puppet who's out there saying he needs a, another term. I played uh, most of this, or I think I played all of this yesterday, but I shortened it somewhat for today. It's from the 60 Minutes interview Sunday where Biden was asked if, uh, if he should have Another four years, another four years of this. This is clip nine. Mr. President, given these two wars and the dysfunction in Congress, are you sure that you want to run again? Yes, because I'm sure. Look, when I ran, I said the world's at an inflection point. The world's changing, but we have an opportunity to make it. So imagine if we were able to succeed. 
in getting the Middle East put in place where we have normalization of relations. My, my favorite bit from that clip, imagine if we were somehow able to bring peace to the Middle East. Here, here the Middle East is on the verge of a war that could easily spread into multiple nations. There, there wasn't that kind of conflict during the Trump years. And Trump was doing things. Trump was moving the, the, he started the Abraham Accords. He was moving Israel's capital to Jerusalem. The whole world was screaming over that. You're going to start World War III. Remember that? It was just a few short years ago. He was backing Israel. He was backing Israel loudly, whether it was with respect to the capital change or control at the Golan, wherever. And Hamas, Iran, for the most part, pretty quiet. But there's your fake president saying, look, I need four more years. Because just imagine, imagine a world, imagine a region, the Middle East, in peace. Janet Yellen, she's out. She was asked. It's not exactly the most wholehearted endorsement here. You have to wonder if there's someone, you know, holding a gun to her head off camera. But she's asked about four more years for Biden. Listen to what she says about the fake president. This is clip eight. I know you're not backing uh, a woman to be president in the next election because I know you'll be backing President Biden uh, loud and loud and clear. Does he still have the energy for another five years Ab- in the job? Absolutely. He's um, very involved, very um, vibrant, um, is doing an excellent job. Involved and vibrant. I'll just take you back to Sundance's title. Uh, yeah, Blinken tells Biden he's going to Israel. Or if I were to change the title a bit, Barack Obama tells Joe Biden, hey, you're off to Israel. Vibrant, uh, I don't think, is the word that most voters are going to be thinking about when they go to the polls next year. I'm going to rush through this last bit here. I haven't even had time to get into the gag order by this Obama judge telling President Trump that he can't even criticize Jack Smith or this weaponized DOJ or the judge or the jury or whoever trying to prevent Donald Trump from just giving criticism to the system that's obviously targeting him. I'll have to maybe get into it tomorrow, but I've skipped over this for a few days. This is from The Spectator. And again, this is a great article. The only thing missing, really, is the, uh, the man in the, the basement that's pulling all the strings. But that said, listen to this. It says, the Democratic Party is a state of rhetorical is in a state of rhetorical paralysis this weekend as Palestinian uh, terrorists, this is from last week, as they streamed across the Israeli border, the White House maintained hours of thunderous silence. Why? Well, as I said earlier, the true intentions of these terrorist movements were exposed and they, they were sent scrambling, trying to figure out, okay, what is the proper response to this? says, amazingly, Democrats now find themselves constrained to tread lightly around the feelings of cold-blooded murderers so as to avoid offending their deranged apologists, many of whom represent the future of the party. 
Biden's own people can barely get on message. On Saturday, the State Department scrambled to erase not one, but two statements calling for all sides to refrain from violence and retaliatory attacks. Well, that was Saturday. They had to delete those tweets. But then you've got you've got the fake president this morning tweeting out, yeah, you know, anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. They're, they're all connected. So, hey, 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 we got to be careful. We got to be measured. We can't overreact. <laughs> Tomorrow's meeting between Biden and Netanyahu. It's going to be interesting. It says here, this is, in other words, a hostage situa- situation. It mirrors the predicament of complacent liberals in positions of power across the country, from boardrooms to newsrooms, all of them are now at the mercy of their radical young wards as a generation of impassioned maniacs comes of age. Spectator says finally, Larry Summers, a former president of Harvard, was horrified to learn that more than 20 of the university's student groups co-signed a blithering rationalization of Hamas's actions while the administration held its peace. The Harvard administration, all these Harvard organizations, headed up by students, I guess, saying that, well, you know, it was was brutal, but, you know, Hamas is justified. You've got to fight back against the occupier. This is what they're being brainwashed to believe. In universities, at Harvard, at Harvard, it says here, um, but what else did, did he expect, uh, Larry Summers, that is, from an institution whose student newspaper formally endorsed boycotts, divestment, and sanctions just last year? These groups, higher education, they, su- they support Hamas and Hezbollah. They, su- they support the cause. Donald Trump, this isn't from his speech Uh, yesterday, but just to close the loop on this and return back to what he's been saying these last few days, Uh, this is from a a speech he gave in Palm Beach, Florida, clip 10. Making America great again will begin with making America strong again and making America safe again. Under my leadership, the world was peaceful and calm because America was respected. The president was respected. I dealt with the strongest people in the world, they were smart, they were streetwise, they respected me, I respected them, they had different viewpoints, that's certainly true, but they were afraid of America. Today they laugh at our country, they laugh. With crooked Joe Biden, you have chaos, bloodshed, war, terror, and death, look what's happening today. Because the occupant of the White House is a laughing stock. All over the world, America's enemies cannot believe how lucky they got. They got real lucky. Every monster, villain, dictator, and terrorist, and there are plenty of them. I know most of them. I got to know a lot of them. All over the planet, they're having a field day because they know they will never have it better than they do with Crooked Joe, who in many cases receive money from those countries. Yeah. And uh, how much did Barack Barack Obama receive? You had that Fox News story yesterday. As as much as $88 million coming in from the CCP, taking millions and millions of dollars from America's enemies, and then triggering all of these fires, these hotspots worldwide. Again, lots of truth packed in that one little soundbite 
from Donald Trump. The man that uh, withstood two impeachments, uh, uh, the bogus Trump-Russia hoax, the Robert Mueller attack, Weissman, all the, the pit bulls that he unleashed on Trump. Four indictments now, 91 counts of felony, felony charges, as, as many as 700 years in prison, now a gag order. You can see why the communist left uh, sees Donald Trump as their number one target. When we come back, we'll conclude today's show. We're running out of time, but we'll squeeze in a Bible study segment for today's episode. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back. One third of your Bible is prophecy, and 90% of it is for our time today. This is why when you study Bible prophecy, you often read statements like, in that day, in the last days, and at the time of the end. Biblical prophecy is what makes the Bible so relevant to today, so essential to understanding our modern world. Most people, even in the world of religion, assume that nations like Britain, America, Germany, Russia and China are not mentioned in Bible prophecy. But if prophecy is mainly for our time today, how could the Bible ignore some of the most powerful and prominent nations of today? The key to understanding prophecy is knowing the biblical identities of modern nations. Learn about these identities in Herbert W. Armstrong's book, The United States and Britain in Prophecy. In this book, you will learn about the astonishing identity of the American and British people in biblical prophecies. Request your free copy today, The United States and Britain in Prophecy. On yesterday's show, we, uh, we emphasized the importance of asking the right questions, and uh, we pointed you to Mystery of the Ages, that master work produced by Herbert Armstrong in the last year of his ministry, back in 1985. If you don't have a copy of that, just request a free copy uh, by calling the 800 number or going to our website, thetrumpet.com. But we should add to that the importance of asking the right question. I mean, it's, it's obviously important as well that you have the humility and the willingness to seek the truth and to respond to God's truth, to act on it, in other words. I mean, we could ask questions all day, but if we don't have the courage to act on truth, then all of that knowledge, it's, it's of no value. In Mystery of the Ages, it says, The billions now living on earth not only are ignorant of the most important knowledge, who and what is God, they seem not to want to know. They are willingly in ignorance of this most important knowledge and relationship possible in human life. You know, among the discourse that you see coming out of Israel, the talking heads on the media, the politicians, now you've got the fake president going to Israel, where is God? Where is God? You have these horrible atrocities. I mean, and the one, coming from the terrorists, I mean, you, you hear them shouting Allah Akbar all the time. They're crying out to their false god, even as they murder civilians 
But with respect to those in the world of traditional Christianity, I mean, is God even consulted or is he even considered? Is Bible prophecy analyzed? What does this mean? They won't even ask the questions. Forget about responding to it. Forget about acting on the truth. It's as if God's not even in the conversation. Let me take you back to some history in 2 Kings 2. This is at the departure of God's prophet, Elijah. 2 Kings 2 and verse 9. It says, And it came to pass, when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I be taken away from you. And Elisha said, I pray you, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. I want to be led by the same spirit, God's spirit, that you are led by. And he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so unto you. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went by, and talked, that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire, and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven, and Elisha saw it. He did see it. This miraculous departure. And he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes, and he rent them, in two pieces. So this was an emotional time for Elisha and for the the, the students, the sons of the prophets. Elijah was, I mean, he viewed Elijah as his father. And so did those, those students. Verse 13, And he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell, that fell uh, from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? That's an important question. Elijah just departed. And Elisha says, he doesn't say, Where's God? He's he's more specific than that. He says, Where's the God of Elijah? I want to be with that God. I want to be with the God of my forefathers, the God that... You know, all of those great patriarchs of old was with, or were with. It says here, and when he had thus smitten the waters, they parted here and there, and Elisha went over. Elisha, I mean, another stunning miracle performed by God. You had the parting of the Red Sea with the Israelites of old, and here God parts the waters of the Jordan River. Same miracle. In the God family vision, my father says this, when the, when the headquarters leadership began changing what Mr. Armstrong taught, he's drawing an analogy here with this Bible history, together with what we saw happen in 1986. I mean, as I say, Mr. Armstrong comes out with his magnum opus in 1985, Mystery of the Ages, a book that asks all the right questions, all the important questions. And he came out and he, he handed out that, that book to the sophomore class at Ambassador College and said, you know, this is a big thrill for me when I can hand this out to you students. God inspired this book. You now have a textbook for Fundamentals of Theology class. You have a book that answers all of the most important questions in life. And little did he know 
that these Laodicean, these corrupt Laodicean ministers were already hard at work censoring that message, changing that message, watering it down, lying to the, to the people of God about it. The devil is, I mean, that's, that's his battle plan. These past 6,000 years, I mean, the battle plan has been to blot out the truth of God. This is the way he always, in some ways, the strategy never changes. That's why it's so, if you, if you are discerning, and if you're actually drawing near to God and working on the most important relationship of your life, you can spot it a mile away. Oh, here comes the devil again. To blot out the truth. That's a perfect example, this attack on Israel last week. You see this horrific attack, the, 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 the truth comes in, and immediately Satan and his minions go to work trying to blot it out. No, no, it didn't really happen, not like you say. Well, look, there's tens of thousands of demonstrators. They know who the real enemy is here. It's Israel. It's not, it's not Hamas. That's the devil's strategy. Just uh, blot out the truth. Lie to your face. In the God Family Vision, again, my father makes this, this analogy. He says, when the headquarters leadership began changing what Mr. Armstrong taught, there was a span of time, however short, when there was no vision breaking through, God's people were wondering, what is wrong? Why no revelation? Where is the God of Elijah? They said in their minds, your family is falling apart. Why don't you do something, God? People were crying out, what is wrong? And the ones that got the most specific in their questions, where's the God of Herbert Armstrong? Where's the God of Elijah? And then had the courage, had the courage to act on that truth when God gave them the answer to their question. Well, they remained loyal to the truth of God. They remain loyal to this day, loyal Philadelphians. Pillars! Pillars, it says in Revelation 3. As I said, today's study, it was, uh, it was meant to be a little bit shorter because we only had about nine minutes or so left after we tried to cover as much news as possible in the first segment. We'll continue on, though, with this study at a later time. You are listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. If you're at Rumble, don't forget the thumbs up and leave us a nice comment as well. Thanks for joining us on today's show, and we'll see you tomorrow.